Hi, everyone. I'm Natalie Alexander. Thanks so much for joining us here at The Next Page, the podcast of the UN Geneva Library and Archives. This episode continues our Knowledge Rising series, which is dedicated to conversations with young people on their work and their views on the issues they're passionate about. Today, more than 1% of the world's population, that's around 79.5 million people, are displaced. This is according to the latest Global Trends Report by UNHCR, the UN Refugee Agency, and is the highest total the agency has ever seen. Displacement is, of course, much more than statistics. And in this episode, we're joined by Ahmed Badir, who is one of the UN Young Leaders for the Sustainable Development Goals. He's a writer, multimedia artist, a social entrepreneur, and a former Iraqi refugee who in 2006 left Baghdad with his family after their home was bombed, relocating to Syria and then the United States. He's now a graduate of Wesleyan University and the founder of Narratio, a platform for youth empowerment through creative expression. In this conversation, we talk about his work at Narratio and other projects and his interest in the intersection of creativity and youth, particularly youth who've been displaced. We discuss creating spaces for them to tell their own stories and to really be able to transcend the circumstances of displacement and to claim their own stories that really move beyond the numbers and the data that we often see associated with refugees and displaced persons. We also look at his views on the connection between art and global engagement. What connections and opportunities are there between creativity and multilateralism? I learned a lot, and the projects he and many other young people are working on are just incredible. I recommend you find out more. We've got the links in our podcast episode notes. Let's take a listen. Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us for this conversation online, all the way from the United States. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. You're one of the UN Young Leaders for the Sustainable Development Goals, but much more than that, you're a writer, a multimedia artist, a social entrepreneur, a former refugee from Iraq. So I'd love to hear from, from yourself in your own words. Could you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm really you know, on a mission to try and empower the world's displaced young people through storytelling and creative expression. Uh, I really believe that young people and, and people in general should be allowed to tell their own stories on their own terms. And so I try to create spaces where that's possible, uh, whether it's through exhibits, podcasts, you know, and other initiatives that really seek to activate the power that young people already have within them rather than, you know, giving something that they don't already have, right? So a lot of the initiatives, a lot of the projects are aimed at activating something that's already there rather than, you know, providing something that you know, may not already be there. You know, it's, it's not so much a giving, but an activation that happens. And so through every kind of initiative, that's kind of at the core of it. Um, a few years ago, I started Narratio, uh, which is a, a platform, it's a platform and organization that really seeks to be the umbrella for all of these kinds of projects, right? To really be a space first and foremost for young people displaced or otherwise to really say what they want to say to the world and have a, a space where they can publish their poems, their photographs, their drawings, their stories, what have you, 
Uh, and then we have also done workshops as well through that platform. So really getting on the ground and, and talking to young people and doing storytelling workshops that allow them to really step into their stories, step into their narratives, uh, and really express them in ways that feel true to them and their own experiences, their own histories, and their own identities. Incredible. Having looked at some of your work already before our conversation, what you mentioned is a lot of your work is about telling stories and storytelling. What are three words that come to mind that explain what stories mean to you? Uh, I think empathy, collaboration, and understanding. I think those three, all of the intersections between them uh, really describe storytelling for me. It's this, this very, very active process that unlocks all of those three words and creates new avenues for their expression and uh, their engagement. Amazing. I'm looking forward to talking more about Narratio and your other projects a bit later on in the conversation. But if you don't mind, I, I wanted to firstly share with listeners that you tell your story of, of being a refugee in a different podcast that you hosted, which is called Away Home Together, Stories of the Human Journey. And for those who don't know the podcast, um, the first two episodes are conversations with Ahmed's family. He tells the story of, of moving from Iraq to Syria and then the United States. And then after that, there are episodes where you speak uh, with various young refugees and migrants about their stories. I would really recommend you take a listen. It's an incredible, incredible project. So please go listen to it after this conversation. Could you share with us a little bit about how it was to create that series? What did you hope that it would bring to listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So We Home Together was a really a project that wanted to amplify the voices of displaced young people in the U.S. by really meeting them where they are and then asking them about their own journeys uh, up until that point in their lives. So I spoke to friends, I spoke to individuals I had known for a long time, you know, I spoke to my family. One thing that was really special about the, the series was that I got to speak to my family for the first time about our journey. And we did it in English. Normally, we speak Arabic in the house. And obviously, we all speak English. But it was the very first time that we really were stopping and in a very specific way, reflecting on everything that had happened, reflecting on our own story, uh, and our journey to the US. And so that was something that was really, I think, a privilege. And I realized how much of a, a privilege it is, this idea that you can take a step back and think, oh, I did X, Y, and Z, and now I'm here at this point. So the realized the true power of reflection and grew to really appreciate the power of reflection through that process. And, you know, asking them about parts of our story that I had been sharing and I, I thought I understood and learning so many different insights in that regard that was really, really a privilege. And then, you know, beyond that, speaking to to young people across the U.S. about, you know, their own relationship to their identities, their own relationship to their uh, country, uh, their hopes, their dreams. That's another really key part is that you we really want to go beyond the tragedy that caused the displacement. Acknowledge it, of course, and recognize that as a, recognize it as a major kind of force but to really reclaim the power that it has over our lives and instead focus on what happens beyond it, what happens after someone leaves home and settles in a new country, or what happens after someone leaves home and is still in search of a new home. So really creating spaces where we highlight those processes and all of their nuance and, and all of their complexity. And that podcast was a way of doing that. How was it to to record with your family and and to to think about this, I guess, collectively? 
It was a wonderful conversation. I think I, I really didn't know what to expect. You know, again, logistically speaking, we just aren't used to speaking in English to one another, yeah. <laughs> right? So it was this like, it was almost like meeting them for the first time in a way, right? And so that part was really interesting. That part was really not challenging, but just a wonderful opportunity to to, to navigate kind of linguistically this experience. But also I think it was an amazing learning experience to hear their perspective, to hear what they went through and hear about the full journey and be able to present it in a very careful and thoughtful and, and engaging way while still, you know, paying respect to all of their sacrifices and all that they, you know, have, have given up and all that they've been so generous giving to us. For me, my younger sister, as we came to the U.S., you know, now 12 years ago. So I think it was an important, it was important for all of us to take a step back and recognize, you know, the journey and through podcasting really like have a, a thing that we could go back to you know, a product, that uh, something solid that we can go back to and listen to our voices and listen to the, to the humor, listen to the, to the pain at times, to the triumph. And so I think it was a really powerful medium to start and capture that and preserve that. And I think it's a, you know, selfishly, I think it's a, it's a really powerful way of a reflection as it happened and then reflection beyond it for years and decades to come. Now that you say that, um, it reminds me of a lot of the work that we do here at the Library and Archives, where I guess a key motivation for us is to understand our history in order to move forward and to understand the context where we're living in today. Do you see that, I guess, when, when you make these podcasts, that they, they become a part of, of history, but also a way for you to, to, I guess, move forward? Absolutely. I mean, I think part of it is that I really want to make teaching tools. You know, I want to make projects that double as resources for so many different communities to be able to learn more about this topic, but also learn more about this topic through the stories that are affected by it. You know, displacement, we often hear about through numbers and through just statistics. And by focusing on the stories behind the statistics, it's really, really a powerful way of learning more about this topic, but also humanizing the issue as a whole. So I I try not to I try to just focus on the project and what it could do for the communities that it's impacting. And then hopefully, you know, history look, looks upon it fondly. Um, <laughs> but really, I try to focus on what the project can offer in the now, in the present, and then really hope that it has aspects of it that can be really a resource for the future as well. And so I really want to create teaching tools at the end of the day uh, and want the projects to to double as teaching tools and by no means the only teaching tools in, in, around, you know, that topic, but I want them to be able to supplement or assist um, so much of the amazing work that's that's being done all over the place uh, around displacement and around telling the displacement story or mm-hmm. telling stories of displacement because there's no one, one story of, of displacement. Yeah, exactly. You're actually working on another podcast, from what I understand. Could you tell us more about this next one that's coming up? Sure. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. It's, uh, you know, so Away Home Together really focused on stories of refugee youth in the U.S., really hearing their experiences and speaking about their own personal struggles and and triumphs. And uh, with this new podcast, which I'm so, so excited about, I'll be hosting with uh, VPM, which is Virginia's home for public media, the local NPR station in, in Richmond, Virginia. 
It's called Resettled. It's an NPR Story Lab selection from a, a couple of years ago. And the uh, team is incredible. And they've done such, such amazing reporting for it. And it's really a podcast about the refugee resettlement process in the U.S. And specifically, uh, you know, with the context of Virginia and the stories of individuals that have experienced the resettlement process at every step. So we it's a six-part series, and we start with arrival and go to education and jobs and health and culture and, and, and beyond, and really engage with the resettlement process at every single stage. Uh, and what's really exciting about it, and the reason why I really wanted to, to work on it with, with the amazing team is that it's not just focusing on the stories, but it's focusing on the process that we often don't really hear about when we hear of refugee resettlement. Like, how does it actually work? Uh, what are the, the moments that shape it? And, and how does it actually happen? Uh, and so it, it, it combines storytelling and education in a really powerful way. You know, I know we're talking about teaching tools. It's a really powerful teaching tool for both uncovering the process, but also uncovering the stories that the process creates and that the process uh, really highlights. And so that's one thing that we're very, very excited about. It's launching very soon. Um, it launches on July 3rd on all podcasting platforms. So we're very, very excited about it and, you know, about the potential of it uh, as we move forward. You know, one of the, I got to produce the first episode, Arrival, and the reporting that was done by the team was just so, so, so beautiful. Where you hear, you know, a family entering their home for the first time when they get to the U.S. And you also hear recording of the resettlement officers going to the grocery store to make sure that the fridge is packed before the family arrives. And, and so wow. that's just one, you know, one taste of it. And then you go to education and uh, where we hear from Fatma, who's a high schooler in Harrisonburg, Virginia, who's preparing for a school play. And, and you know, and then you hear about a chef who's also a poet, you know, that's that's learning about his own uh, kind of place in America and who's trying to figure out how to run his restaurant uh, as well as write his poetry, you know. So really highlighting the three dimensional experiences of, of refugees in the U.S. and then in the process, talk about resettlement and what that actually means and how it plays out. I, I'm really looking forward to listening to this. I guess a lot of us might not truly know the intricacies of the process, but also I guess when you were describing the episodes now as well, just how how we're all the same. We're human. We cook. We write poems. We we go to school. We we do art projects. No, absolutely. And we really wanted to highlight that. You know, we want to highlight that these are with the distance we assume about refugees and immigrants uh, between their experience and ours is really much shorter than we assume. And there are a lot of things that we can relate to and a lot of aspects of our lives that are intertwined. And so it's important to highlight that and, and to highlight those everyday moments that we all struggle with and that we all undergo and we all really live. Yeah. So it's coming out a week from today. So let's uh, definitely put in the show notes information about the first podcast, Away Home Together, as well as Resettled for, for our listeners to go listen to. Thank you for sharing. I wanted to also then explore the work you're doing to, as you've mentioned, expand the narrative of, of displaced youth through stories and art. Could you share a little more with us about Narratio and what does it aim to do? What kind of storytelling are we talking about? 
all kinds of storytelling, all media <laughs> storytelling. But Nietzsche was really founded uh, to amplify the voices of young people through publishing, through partnerships, through fellowships, uh, through workshops. Uh, and really, it, it doubles as an online platform and, and as a global platform in that, uh, as well as a, a really a forum, a forum where uh, young people with a focus on displaced young people, where we work with young people displaced or otherwise, can really step into the fullest extent of their experiences and what they're comfortable expressing to the world. And so, you know, we, one of our signature programs is the Narratio Fellowship, uh, which works with a group of resettled refugee youth. Our pilot was in Syracuse, New York, uh, and it's a month-long program where they really, it's, it's storytelling and leadership focused where they get access to podcasting workshops, uh, sessions with leaders in media, poetry workshops, and everything in between. And this past summer, we partnered with Syracuse University and the Northside Learning Center, which is a local local uh, center that serves uh, the largely immigrant community in the north side of Syracuse, uh, as well as the Metropolitan Museum of Art to really provide the different workshops to, to the 11 amazing fellows that we had and have and really allow them the spaces to begin exploring their own experiences in whatever way they feel comfortable. One of the focuses for the last summer, uh, the program last summer was poetry. And so what the fellows did was they picked objects from the ancient East gallery at the Met, uh, which is one of our partners, and they reimagined the label of that object as a poem while taking into account their own personal identities and histories and memories. And then as the pro as the month wrapped up, they went to New York. We went to New York for a week where they got to perform those poems at the Met, at the Royal Assyrian Court, amongst the objects that they had chosen. And, and then in that trip, they also got to visit the New York Times. We visited the UN headquarters and uh, met with the UN Youth Envoy. Uh, and they went to Squarespace and had a, a web building workshop as well. So really creating uh, a space where displaced young people can access opportunities to amplify their own voices, but also access spaces that they otherwise maybe didn't think they belong to, you know, but they do. And so, you know, since the summer program, they've continued performing their poetry pieces. And, you know, they visited the UN in, in July, last July. And then, you know, in October, they went back to perform and, and speak on panels. Wow. Uh, and then, you know, they've continued performing, uh, obviously, at, at the Med, at the UN, but also locally at galleries. And uh, they had a photography exhibit in January that features photos from the fellowship. Uh, and then that traveled from the Community Folk Art Center in Syracuse to Christie's in New York, where they had an exhibit of those photos as well. And they performed at that opening of that exhibit. Uh, and so again, multiple ways of engaging with their own personal histories and, and their own personal uh, memories. And each of those poems, and this is something I really wanted to, to highlight throughout the program, is that it's not a program about displacement. It's a program that works in, with individuals that happen to be displaced very key distinction and throughout the poems there's no mention of displacement or the refugee experience it's just about the memories of home the things we appreciate the things that we remember fondly the things that maybe were were tough that we had to get over uh, and so 
we wanted to create a space where if they wanted to discuss that displacement, they're more than welcome to, but they, we also wanted them to be familiar uh, with that, this kind of idea that you can speak beyond your tragedy and your story is much more than your tragedy. And so when you read the poems, which you know will, will be published uh, as part of uh, the book we're publishing in, in October, you'll see that. You'll see that you know these are experiences that transcend tragedy and, 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 and go beyond that experience. That's a very good point that you make, and I actually wanted to ask you about that. Looking at the, the vision statement of, of Narratio, maybe you want to read that out for us instead of me. Maybe that's more appropriate. What do you think? No, go ahead. I can do it? Okay, okay. Yeah. Narratio envisions a world where a global collective of displaced young people are trained to tell their stories on their own terms as leaders, stakeholders, and active members of their communities. I thought that was a, an amazing vision, and I think there are, you know, really great different elements to to explore here. And and the first is telling your story on your own terms, which you've you've already addressed as part of our conversation. But could you share a little bit more about this? I mean, that is it not just the chance to, I guess, choose and communicate your own identity, but but also to maybe even transform the how we see the word refugee, humanize the word that is often dehumanized. Yes. Yes. Sure, absolutely. And I think the the key part, and, and you mentioned this, is, is being able to transcend what other narratives, other institutions or people place upon you, right? So it's being able to say, well, there's this representation out there, and I may or may not agree with that representation, and I'm choosing to actively claim my own story and my own narrative. And in that claiming, I also you know, want to express it, right? So, but again, that's an option. That's something that is possible. So there's the claiming and then there's the transformative aspect of that. And then there's the process of expression uh, and the expression of that claim. And so at Narratio, we want to be able to activate both and we want to be able to to work with both and offer opportunities for for both of those parts. And so that's a really key part of of all of the work and all of of the initiatives we try to do is that we have to think about young people as active stakeholders and we have to work to create more and more engagement, global and local, with this active engagement. And it starts with the personal story and being able to claim it and being able to to think about how you might be able to express it and then if you feel comfortable doing so, expressing it. And so that's a really, really key part of our work. Yeah, I I really do relate to to your idea also of being able to, I guess, understand and communicate from yourself, but then be able to engage with the community as well in, in claiming, I guess, your, your own identity. This, I guess, is also part of the vision where you say young people are telling these stories as leaders and active members of their communities. How do you see this? I mean, what do you envisage when you think of communities in the future? What will they look like? Do you see a more diverse understanding of, of leadership? I think, you know, leadership as it is, uh, as we currently understand it, as, as an individual who really, you know, supports their community and is able to to represent their community in, in, in different ways and different forums, you know, we have to start with what the situation now, you know, and as we reimagine the current situation, then the future already is, is created, right? And so with the Narratio Fellowship, we really wanted to 
codify our workshops that we've been doing for the last three, four years on, you know, whether it's a one-off workshop or a two-day, three-day workshop and have it be a program where we have a specific cohort of young people that we work with for, you know, years to come, you know, there is that month-long program that that's a really key part, but it's just one phase of the whole experience. And so now we're, you know, planning to to continue with the workshops. We had plans to, you know, extend the workshop this summer in Syracuse and to Richmond as well. You know, where enrichment has been moved to next year, uh, the program in Syracuse, we're thinking about doing a virtual version this summer. And so we really want to create capacity within these communities, but also we want the fellows themselves to take ownership of the program and to, to lead workshops and to really become leaders. Uh, and in many cases, the, the fellows are already leaders in their communities, but yeah. now they're leaders in a, in a different way, right? So a lot of the fellows didn't think of themselves as writers or poets before the program. And now they they proudly proclaim those titles. So that's another key thing is it's about to be, uh, it's this idea of imagining yourself in a way that you perhaps may have never imagined yourself before. And so you get to really step into your your abilities and, and step in, into your ambitions and use all of these tools uh, in a way that feels authentic and, and honest to you and in, in your own personal experience. And so it's I think as we create more and more opportunities for displaced young people to step up and become leaders and, and stakeholders in their communities, we'll see communities transform. Because, you know, it's this amplification of something that's already there, right? So the leadership is already happening for a lot of the, the individuals we're working with. But for others, they have maybe never thought of themselves as leaders. And then throughout the process, realize, oh, wait, yes, I am. And so yeah. it, it's it's a really, I think, a transformative yeah. process that we're hoping to, to incubate and hoping to kind of continue growing in different ways. It must be quite a quite a process from from beginning as being a part of a workshop and and how you are even at the end of of a month long workshop, even though you mentioned it's more of a lifelong process. Absolutely, and I think one of the one of the most beautiful moments I remember were when we went to New York City, and all of a sudden I was you know chaperoned with the, my co director. Uh, and our facilitators, uh, Professor Bryce Nordquist at Syracuse is an incredible, incredible human and scholar and, and collaborator in the program. Uh, and so we were, you know, us and the 11 fellows just you took a bus down to New York City. And I was, all of a sudden I was, you know, chaperoning uh, young people that were my age or just a bit younger. And all of a sudden we were like a group of like 14, 15 trying <laughs> to get from like one part of New York to the other and going from the Met to the New York Times to the UN to, you know, and everything in between. And one of the most beautiful moments was, you know, at that point we had been performing the poems and preparing them for the final performance and or the, the month long workshop performance at the Met. And the fellows knew each other's pieces by now and memorized each other's pieces. And so we would be in the subway and they would just yell out lines from each other's pieces just to kind of tease each other and, and, and joke around. And, you know, and the, but every rehearsal was just so beautiful because everyone really allowed or gave, gave one another space to really step into their piece and, and to help one another and practice. And, and, you know, it's a very diverse group of fellows. We had folks from Somalia, from uh, Iraq, from Syria, uh, from Kenya, from all over the place. And so really to see that solidarity and to see it so beautifully expressed uh, as we traveled around and as we continued to perform, 
uh, it was really a treat. It was really an, an honor and, and really it's just an amazing motivation to continue doing these types of programs. When did you begin Narratio? Uh, 2015. Uh, okay. 2015 was like the earliest form. And so that was the, yeah, I think April 2015 was like when the earliest form of the site was published. Okay. And then we've evolved from then. Yeah. You've seen this evolution. And for those interested in knowing more about the project, you can go to the website. We'll have it in the show notes. But it's an incredible project. What have you learned over these, I guess, past five five years? So much. So much. (laughs) And we're still learning, you know, every single day as we move forward. I think one thing, one of the biggest lessons was trying to figure out ways to really formalize our processes for scale. You know, it started as just a website. I started in high school where I wanted to, you know, and, and I invited my classmates to submit their work. And then, you know, all of a sudden we're publishing work in 18 countries and we have the fellowship and we have existing partnerships. And so it's really thinking about ways that we can make the work sustainable and really thinking about that actively and, and working to create mechanisms within the project, within the organization, within the platform to extend the work. Uh, beyond, uh, you know, what we've already done and create mechanisms where it can continue growing in a thoughtful and engaging way that that serves the communities we're attempting to serve. So I think learning, thinking more long term and, you know, I think starting out, I was just focused on, you know, what's the day to day, which is still important. But I think as we've grown, it's been really valuable to take a step back and think more long term and think about the processes as a whole and, and think about our own place in this space and, and how we could best benefit the folks we're working with. And Narratio is actually only one of a few projects you've got going on. And one you're working on now is, is a book, which you mentioned a bit earlier. Could you tell us more about it? What is it called? Where can we find it? Sure, yeah. So my very first book is called While the Earth Sleeps, We Travel, uh, Stories, Poetry, and Art from Young Refugees Around the World. It will be published by Andrews McMeal uh, on October 13th, uh, 2020. It's been a labor of love for the past uh, couple of years, but it's been just such an honor to be able to work on it. And it'll be an even bigger honor to introduce, introduce it to the world very soon. So it's, you know, for the past uh, two years, from you know, 2018 to the present, I traveled to Greece. Uh, to Trinidad and Tobago, and then across the U.S., especially in in Syracuse, as I mentioned with the fellowship, really doing interviews and and workshops with displaced young people, asking them questions about both their own stories and their own understanding of their own stories, but also where they want to go and how they understand their place in the world, what they want the world to know about them. And, And so through interviews, through uh, workshops with individuals both in camps, outside of camps, resettled, and folks that are has, that still haven't been resettled. Uh, the book is, is kind of a, a collection of the creative work from those workshops, in addition to you know my own poetry throughout, as a way of really, again, humanizing the experiences of displaced young people by highlighting the amazing, amazing work that they've they produced and, and the amazing stories that they have and, and that they continue to, to write and that they continue to grow. So it's a book of poetry. It's a book of art. It's a book of stories and everything in between. And so it's really kind of three-dimensional and, and complex project that seeks to really, again, highlight 
these experiences and, and all of their richness and all of their nuance. Uh, and I'm also very excited that a dear, dear friend, Ben Stiller, wrote the foreword for the book. And so I'm very excited for, for folks to read that as well. Uh, he's been an amazing, amazing supporter and, and advocate for for refugees, uh, and it's an honor to be able to, to feature his voice, you know, in the beginning. A site for it will be available, or I guess by the time this comes out, the site is available. It's uh, earthsleepswetravel.com, and it's available available for pre-order globally. And so on that site, there's information to pre-order and to learn more about the, the project. So by the time this episode airs, there'll be the website up and you'll be able to find out more. That's really exciting. Your first your first book. That must have been quite a journey. Yeah, it's surreal. I'm, I'm still like trying to process it. I'm, this month or this upcoming month in, in July, I was invited to guest edit the July issue of the Good Newspaper, which is an amazing newspaper that celebrates the movements and people across the world that are really making an impact in so many different ways. And the July issue is focused on refugees. So it's, it's kind of the the first introduction of the book to the world. And that, you know, that good newspaper will be available on July 1st, so very soon. And within it, I get to really speak to individuals I've worked with in the past, individuals that are I haven't worked with that have done incredible, incredible work. And so I also got to speak to the Deputy High Commissioner of UNHCR about really the organizational perspective behind kind of storytelling and also dealing with the global refugee crisis, the global crisis around displacement. Now, really at the at its height, it's never been this high where we have about 1% of the world is now displaced, about 80, per, 80 million individuals. So got to speak with Deputy High Commissioner Clements about UNHCR's efforts to try and, and, and mitigate displacement and, and really how we can leverage storytelling in a way that humanizes and, and really amplifies the, the stories of, of those experiencing displacement and creating spaces where those stories can rise to the surface in, in nuanced and, and creative and thoughtful ways. And so the good newspaper was the kind of the, we've just finished it this morning um, and it's been such an honor putting it together and, and really having a, a place where refugee stories or stories of folks that happen to be displaced are amplified in so many different ways. And so, yeah, it's just been an absolute honor to be able to, to guest edit it and also to be able to mention the book in it for the first time publicly. And so the cover reveal, you know, will happen very, very soon. It will have happened at this point. And it's an absolute, absolute honor to be able to introduce it to the world. For the final part about our conversation, I wanted to look at your views on multilateralism because you've worked a bit with the UN in your creative projects and also spoken quite a few times in front of, of the UN. What do you see is the role of, of art and creativity in multilateralism? I think art and creativity and multilateral multilateralism. Say that again. Multilateralism. This uh, happens all the time. <laughs> trust me. <laughs> so yeah. So art, creativity, and multilateralism. I think it's it's a very it's an important relationship. You know, multilateralism is a very important process to global stability. Right. So this idea of of collaboration and and being able to engage in dialogue about issues that matter to to one another and to our communities, to our cities, to our countries, 
is a very, very important uh, privilege. Uh, and the UN is obviously the, the biggest stage where we could do that. And, and we need to do more and more of that. And so I think where art and creativity enters the picture is, is, is it's another way of dialogue. It's another way of, of, of connecting across borders, across continents. And so in my own experience, uh, you know, for the a few years ago now, three years ago, I created the Unpacked Refugee Exhibit with amazing artist Muhammad Hafiz, where we collected the stories of uh, displaced families in New Haven, Connecticut. I recorded the audio stories. We sat down and spoke with these families. And then Muhammad took the audio recordings and reimagined and re-sculpted uh, parts of those individuals' homes inside of a series of suitcases. And so you have the audio attached to the suitcase and you get to see the room uh, and the home. And that's been a you know traveling exhibit for the last three years. And one of the places that we got to exhibit it was uh, UNICEF House in New York and really introduce it to obviously it's a few blocks from the UN uh, headquarters, but also to, to individuals who are really at the forefront of, of multilateralism in so many different ways. And so it was a way to bring in all of these amazing stakeholders across different countries and across different communities and really introduce to them these remarkable, remarkable stories. And so that's one thing that was an absolute honor. And we got to see, you know, art and creativity really intersect in a remarkable way and a really powerful way with collaboration and international collaboration and, and multilateralism. And so and, and also in making all of that exhibit virtual, you know, you can go in and see on the Unpacked Refugee site, like you can see the the recordings, you can see photos of the of the suitcases. You really saw, especially in that exhibit at UNICEF, how powerful that intersection can be. And so I think art and creativity have to go hand in hand with multilateralism and, and they have so much to gain from one another. And there's so much, so much to gain from from their intersection. And so I really uh, am excited about the possibility of more and more governments really leading with the arts and leading with creativity as a role for diplomacy, you know, and, and I think diplomacy and creativity have to go hand in hand. And then the amplification of art and creativity goes hand in hand with, with diplomacy. And I think multilateralism is just one way that that can happen. And it's an important and, and really valuable way of of sharing, sharing different understanding, sharing different collaboration, and, and really providing empathy at the end of the day. As a young person, what do you hope for the future of multilateralism as it evolves? What does it mean to you? I think multilateralism, again, means thoughtful and uh, symbiotic collaboration across borders and so many different sectors, whether it's the arts and creativity or you know economics or so many different kind of parts of, of engagement across borders. And so that I think as I imagine multilateralism in the future, I see it as something that we really need to do a better job of extolling the benefits of. You know, we need to recognize that it is an incredibly, incredible, incredibly powerful tool for again sharing, um, sharing perspectives, sharing culture, sharing kind of dialogue, but also we need to recognize it's urgency. It's, it's something that's really, really important and something that's really powerful. And we need to constantly think about different ways of making its meaning and its mission accessible to everyone, making it accessible to everyone, uh, regardless of where, where they are. And so I think we, we need to highlight multilateralism in, in more ways that are accessible to, 
to the, the everyday person who may not be aware of UN processes or you know UN terms. Um, and so I think we need to do a better job of of that. But I, I think the future is bright. I think the efforts are being made to to really tell the story of or the stories of multilateralism in so many different ways. And so I think the more the better. Incredible. That's a, that's a great way to end. Ahmed, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure to, to speak with you. How can we follow you? Where do we find you on, on social media and, and different ways? Yeah, so I'm at UBADR on Twitter and M-E-S-O-P-O-T-A-M-I on Instagram. That's Mesopotamia without the A. Story of that username is in the book. You know, it's not random. And then, uh, you know, on my on my personal website, just um, Ahmed uh, and then obviously the book site EarthSleepsWeTravel.com. Um, there's everything. Everything's on there. But yeah, thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. We'll make sure to have the links in in the show notes. If there's there's one thing you'd like to leave our, our listeners with, what would you like them to remember from from our conversation? Remember the power of, of storytelling as a whole, but remember the power of your own story. You know, so seek out opportunities where you can hear the stories of, of those in your life, but also seek out opportunities where you really learn more about your own personal experience and reflect. The power of reflection is so, so important. We often move from one thing to the other and, and don't have the opportunity to just stop and look back. And so when possible, stop and look back and see how far you've come. So true. Thank you so much for sharing, Ahmed. I wish you all the best um, as you continue your good work. Hope to see you soon, somewhere in the world. Yeah, likewise. Thanks again. I really appreciate it.